So Erin, do you also wait until the night before we're going to record to do most of your research or are you a lot better about it than I am? I usually research a lot initially and then I take a break and then the day before or the day of I revisit it and kind of like dive back into it. Oh, that's a good way to do it. I'll usually do a little bit here and there leading up to it. And then suddenly the day and night before we record, I find way more information. It's way more interesting than it's ever been. And I'm up till one <laughs> thirty in the morning reading crime reports. Yes. Well, maybe <laughs> I'll get better at it. Hello, everyone. Hello, I'm Agent Earn here with Agent Skurd. We are the Armchair Agents. We are named that because we are certified in nothing, but we are very curious people. And we have been discussing true crime since our high school days. Yeah, we're coming at you each month to talk about a different case. So Skurd, what case did you pick for this month? Oh, Ern, I cannot wait to discuss this one with you. This month, we are going to do the case of Kendrick Johnson. Now, Kendrick Lamar Johnson was only 17 years old when he was found dead, rolled up in a wrestling mat in his high school gym. A local Georgia news station put it really well when they said that, quote, the circumstances of his death have been a source of conjecture, gossip, allegations, and lawsuits ever since. Now, this story has a ton of like tiny rabbit holes that we could explore. Some I think we'll dive more into than others, but let's start with just trying to outline the timeline and what happened. Sure. So on January 9th, 2013, classes at Loundis High School in Baldosta, Georgia resumed after Christmas break. Now, as we are recording this, it is just the end of Christmas break. It's, in fact, it almost is. January 9th again. So it's it's right around this time of year. You're getting into the swing of going back to school or work or whatever after the holidays. Around 1.30 p.m. the next day on January 10th, video surveillance at the school captures Kendrick, a high schooler consistently described as quiet and kind, walking into the old gym and going into the corner where the wrestling mats were rolled up and stored. It is presumed that he was going to retrieve his gym shoes as he had a, like a weightlifting class next period. Now, apparently, lots of kids stashed their gym shoes in the mats of the old gym to avoid paying locker fees. Yeah, I found that super strange. You had to pay extra to get a gym To locker? get a locker? Yeah, I read a little bit about this on, well, okay, I read a lot about it on Reddit, but I did find one post where people had chimed in and were like, oh yeah, I always had locker fees. So it, it seems like it's not as weird as... I, it immediately struck me as a weird thing, but apparently it is weird. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like though high schoolers will, or high schools will take whatever money they can. That's true. <laughs> You're, like our parking passes for the year were insane. It was like, how much was it? Like 250 to $300? Yeah. I'd say it was pass. hundreds of dollars. And I know of other schools that didn't have that fee. And so if I'm, you know, I'm sure it's the same thing. Like maybe they didn't have parking fees. That would be lovely. Well, that, that would be, but I bet they had fees for everything. So. But I bet they yeah. did. <laughs> so students would get around this by hiding their clothes in this old gym. It, it wasn't used a lot. They had a new gym now, so this was kind of like a storage gym or backup gym. It seemed kind of like a hallway too, like people walked through it a lot. Yeah, yeah, they did. And Kendrick and one of his friends actually shared a pair of shoes and they would hide it in the same mat each time. So when they each had gym, they could use the shoes, which is honestly pretty clever. It's a good system. Uh -huh. 
typically the mats were like rolled up and stored horizontally so they could just like reach in the hole and grab their shoes or if they were standing up vertically they would just like tip the mat up and like reach under and grab their shoes out of the bottom however mm. he wasn't able to do that this day because that mat that was had his shoes in it was not at the front of the pile because other mats had been rolled up stood up vertically and pushed in front um, I actually read the crime lab report and it said there were about 21 mats all piled up in the corner. I feel like we should explain wrestling mats because while you and I are very well versed in That's wrestling true, mats, yes. because we were wrestling managers together, so we spent many a time. Hours, hundreds of hours. Rolled up wrestling mat. Um, so it looks like the, the mats that, he, that we're talking about were kind of thin like in terms of they didn't take up one mat would not take up the whole gym right it was like eight feet tall and then 60 feet 80 feet wide oh that i have no idea yeah i was i only looked i only saw the dimensions of it when it was rolled up and i think it was like maybe six over six feet tall and probably like three feet wide and these mats are yeah heavy they're foam yeah they're very heavy foam yeah they're very heavy like it would be hard I don't think me as a 30-something adult could move a rolled-up mat on my own. I certainly could not have in high school. I remember I was trying to do it in high school. Yeah, they're much heavier than they look and harder to maneuver around. Yeah. It would take a couple of wrestlers to move around a mat. Absolutely, yeah. And they're not, like, malleable in that if you, like, had the hole in the middle of the mat, you wouldn't be able to, like, stretch it to make it wider. There's, like, no give to these things. They're very solid. All right, good. So now that we've told you all about wrestling mats, it's important background for this. This is, it is. And this is, of, <laughs> of course, one of the things that led me to pick the story for you because it involves a wrestling mat. Okay. I had mentioned that the mat where his shoes were stored was at the back of the pile. So what Kendrick had to do to get to it, he was he had to climb up on top of this pile of mats and peer down the holes of each of them to see which one his shoe was in. And the, the opening of these mats was measured to be like 14 or 15 inches wide. So it like really wasn't that wide at all. What happened next was unfortunately not captured by any of the school surveillance cameras as the storage area which was really just like one side of the gym it was just like a corner they didn't really have a room they just shoved them all in a corner and that corner was out of the view of the old gym camera but you saw him walk into the gym and then he's never seen again well he's never seen walking uh-huh. out of it again but there are a lot of people around like you can see people in and out the surveillance video basically all day. Yeah, it looks the like just you're between classes and the halls are full uh-huh. and then people kind of disperse and there's always stragglers and all just it really creeped me out in that it reminded me so heavily of high school. Yeah. <laughs> so Kendrick is is never seen leaving the gym. He, in fact, he is marked absent from his le- his next class. And when he didn't return home after a basketball game that he was going to after school, his mother reported him missing. The next morning, Friday, January 11th, Kendrick's mom, Jackie, went to the school to tell them that he was missing, which something I thought was really weird that I read in many different articles was after she had went to the school to report Kendrick missing, the school helped her print off a bunch of color flyers. Yeah, she was there. I, so I heard her 
call to the police. Mm. So the police were also looking for him. And then she went to the school to use their printer to... That was kind of like the police's suggestion. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. And put him around the school. Okay. I took it as she went to the school to be like, my son is missing. And they were like, well, we could print off some color photographs for you, ma'am. And I'm like, what are they doing? But that's what I thought. Yeah. At first. <laughs> your your take makes a lot more sense. So she does speak to the school and they they know that Kendrick is not able to be found at that point. Around 1030 that morning, sisters Lori and Lena, along with some other of their friends, were sitting on nearby mats and they noticed socks sticking out of the top of a mat like farther back in the pile. They assumed that somebody was playing a prank on them. So they like crawled back to peer into the mat and discovered Kendrick's body. He was upside down. He was face first into the center of the mat, nearly to the bottom. And the shoes he was wearing were off and behind his knees. One of his socks was partially pulled off and another pair of shoes, the ones that he was presumably reaching for, were down by his head. Now, pretty immediately, they knew something was wrong. Like, at first they just thought like, oh, a prank, and then it was like, oh, a kid is stuck. And like, I can't imagine how quickly this changed for them. So right away, they they hollered for the coach to come over. One of the kids climbed down and called 911 from her cell phone. And then with the help of that coach, they like pulled all the other mats out to get to the one that Kendrick was stuck in. And they actually tipped over the mat that he was in, Mm -hmm. thinking that they would help him to get out. But as soon as they moved it, they could smell decomposition. They could see blood all over the ground where the mat was. And I think at that point, the the teacher or the coach like kicked all the kids out of the gym and like immediately the school went into lockdown. I did read that when the teacher was interviewed or the coach was interviewed by the police, he was extremely shaken and he was like having a hard time speaking and I don't blame him at all. Like you just think you're going to teach a gym class and you find the body of essentially a child. Yeah, I was surprised that they had said that they smelt decomp because to me, that's like, it's not even 24 hours later. Yeah. That just seems really fast. But I don't, did you know that my husband, the David, is a part-time butcher? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yes. So my husband, the David, is a part-time butcher. And so I asked him about that. Oh, Um, yeah. Good thinking. Just because he knows all of the timing and everything with decomp and he said yes especially in if it's over 70 degrees that would would be very plausible so that was my i and when i initially heard it and i heard how shaken up the teacher was i thought that it was a little bit suspicious that he didn't unroll the whole mat and take out kendrick oh it just seemed like you weren't gonna look into that and make sure that like you he actually was dead oh it just yeah seemed really surprising but after asking some more questions to some people who know more than i do it did make more sense yeah it kind of sounded like the smell was what made them be like ah, ah and just yeah. immediately call the cops and that's truly exactly what i would be doing if i tipped a mat and like a half of a body slid out and like blood and vomit everywhere yes. i would be screaming slash crying nearly immediately so yeah and i used to be a first responder so my initial thing is like find him and find out what's wrong so that's why I was so confused by the like hands off. Oh yeah. It seemed You always it seem to sense. opt more hands on, whereas I'm like, don't touch it, it's a crime scene. Like <laughs> leave it alone. But that's that's my go to is 
yeah, just don't touch it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, um, different life experiences. Oh yeah, that's why. Yeah. That's why we're such a good parent. <laughs> so they do immediately call the cops, and there is some dispute about how quickly they called the coroner. Uh, coroner Bill Watson says that he was not called to the scene about five hours after the police arrived, though Georgia law states that he should have been called immediately. Of course, the Georgia Sheriff's Department refutes this, and Lieutenant Stride Jones stated that while it was, quote, a time-consuming process to get to the deceased, he said that the coroner was called as soon as they did, which I thought was interesting because oh. kind of the students and the teacher had already done that labor for them. Right. They had moved all the mats, but I don't know, maybe there was more. Was it like they needed to take crime scene pictures before they like they needed to get to the body meaning like they took all of their pictures mm, yeah kind of evaluated the crime scene more i bet you're right because i found the crime report as i mentioned and i read the whole thing and like the sheriff's office people from the crime lab and people from the gbi listed there were 17 people on site and they were there from around 11 30 a.m until about 5 30 p.m and they had talked about like how they took pictures of like the outside of the building. They did like 3D scans of the area so they could recreate it. So I bet you're right that they had a lot of like work to do before they actually got to where Kendrick was. So now we, we get a little more explanation about like the state of his body and how he was found. At the time that he was discovered, Kendrick had been deceased and upside down for around 21 hours. He was found with one arm above his head and one arm like folded up against his chest, which would be consistent if you're reaching for a shoe. So imagine you are kneeling on top of a like a rolled up mat and you are you have one hand on the mat to brace yourself and you are leaning in with your other hand. There would be a point if you reached far enough into this pretty small space that your top arm would be like fully extended and you would be reaching down so far that you wouldn't be able to pull yourself back up anymore. And the space mm -hmm. was so skinny that like he couldn't get his other arm, not the one up above his head, out to like push against it to get back up. And as we mentioned, these mats have no give. You would not be able no. to like give yourself another inch or even half inch of room by pushing on it. Right. Or knock them over if there's multiple of them. Oh, goodness, no. Yeah, his was in the back up against the wall. Yeah. Even just one mat <sighs> would be from the inside upside down. You wouldn't be able to knock it over. No, no way. So it kind of seems at this point like he did reach into the mat and he got stuck, which is horrifying. It's a horrifying yeah. image. It was scary because I could picture that thought process of seeing a shoe down in the mat and thinking, oh, I could fit down there. <sighs> like I could picture all of those things going through my own mind mm -hmm. as a high schooler, especially like you've got what, tops five minutes to pass yeah. like, for passing time. Exactly, he's probably rushing. So Doesn't want to be marked late. Rushing, yeah. He might be kind of mad that his mat's in the back now and he's got to climb over everything just to get to his shoes. <laughs> because they're charging damn locker fees. Guys, come on. There's a pool of blood and vomit underneath his head, which again is consistent with being upside down for that long. Now I'm going to give you a kind of a graphic explanation. Since he was upside down, all the blood would have rushed to his head very quickly. 
the blood vessels in your head and your face are very small because they're not meant to hold a ton of blood at once. Thus, as the blood pooled up for longer, as he was upside down for longer and longer, the blood vessels in your face would like begin to burst and leak out of all of your facial orifices, which is, again, horrifying. This yeah. would also cause your face to look very bruised and swollen and honestly just awful, which does come into play later. But for now, let's just acknowledge that you would absolutely look like you had been beaten if you were upside down for 21 hours. Yeah. I did find an interesting quote, or at least a good explanation from the crime lab report. It says, Johnson's face was swollen and had blood exiting from his eyes, nose, and mouth. There was visible dried blood on Johnson's arm, chest, and face. The smell of Johnson's body appeared that it was starting to decompose. Johnson's eyes were swollen, fixed, and dilated. Blood was visible in the eyes with signs of petechia. There appeared to be no signs of blunt force trauma on Johnson's face or body. There appeared to be no visible signs of wounds to Johnson's body. There were visible signs of skin slippage on Johnson's abdomen area, face, and arm, which is, I don't, I don't know any better word than horrifying, but that is like from the crime lab report that they made that what day. A, what a, what a skin slippage. Oh... <laughs> I didn't want to Google it because I thought it would show me pictures. I can only imagine that as you are deceased and in an unnatural position that your skin would start to move. Sure. I was just curious if it was from like him trying to wiggle his way oh, out. Oh, that I don't know. They did say abdomen, face, and arm. So maybe he was like pushing really hard with one arm or I also wonder yeah. too if he didn't slide down further into the mat after he had died. Uh-huh. All right. Just as a random side note, this positional asphyxiation is actually how a lot of Christian martyrs died. Hmm. Because when the Romans were crucifying people, they had this like they did not want to be crucified in the same way as Jesus Christ because they were not worthy of that. So they asked the Roman government to crucify them upside down. Whoa. And that was granted, like they were granted that permission. And so they didn't actually die from the crucifixion, but from being upside Whoa. down. Whoa. I had no idea. Yeah. St. Peter is famous for what? that. What? Wow. So if you see an upside down cross, that's what that is. Huh. I learn something new every day. And you gave me the perfect segue into what I was going to explain next. So <laughs> in semi good news most likely he probably would have lapsed into unconsciousness pretty quickly. Like maybe in a minute or two, I hope. Because mm -hmm. with his arm above his head like that, picture a, a choke hold in, in WWFE right. wrestling. I don't mm -hmm. I wrote stylized wrestling because to me, <laughs> wrestling is just this, mats and high schoolers. Yeah. But, you know, he, like, he had one arm up in like a choke hold and he would have suffered from what you mentioned, what is called positional asphyxiation. Yeah, and that's also common in car crashes too. Ooh. If people are stuck yeah, I um, bet. upside down. Yeah, it's essentially being smothered by your own body weight. Like your lungs yeah. cannot expand enough to breathe. So, yeah. oof, I really, really hope that he fell unconscious very quickly. And mm -hmm. it also comes up where people say like, well, why didn't he yell for help? Like, how come no one heard him? You know, there's people walking around. There's people walking through the gym. But again, maybe he only had a couple minutes to yell. And maybe he was embarrassed as a, he's a quiet high schooler. Yeah. I would have, in high school, been quiet and, like, 
suffered in place of embarrassment of like, I'm stuck in the mat upside down. Oh, absolutely. There could be a, like, that could be a big factor in why nobody heard him. That's a good point. Like by the time he knew that it was really bad, he might've thought that he could get out. Oh, I hope he just felt embarrassment. If that's the worst (laughs) thing he felt, I'm totally fine with that. (laughs) Oh man. All right. Well, let's take a break from horrific speculation for now. I'll continue with our timeline. So January 14th, uh, three days after he was found, his death was deemed accidental by the Lowndes County officials, but this finding was not yet official. This was also the day that his parents were finally allowed to view and identify his body, which, oddly enough, they had been denied on days prior. When they found him in the gym, they assumed it was him from his clothes. They knew what he was wearing the day before. However, due to the state of his face, they couldn't identify it as him by sight. This will also come back later. Uh Doesn't it all? So lots of articles and reports make it sound like Jackie was either still in the school, Jackie is his mother, or had just recently left when the body was discovered. Like, she's there printing out flyers. And I read that the cops going to the school to, like, act on the missing persons report got a call while they were driving there about his body being found. So it sounds like these things are all, like, it's all happening at the same time. So I'm not sure, like, why they didn't... I mean, I can kind of understand why they didn't invite Jackie into the gym to be like, come here, look at at this horror scene. Like, is this your son? So maybe just to, like keep her calm and keep the progress of like what the GBI is doing and everything moving. They didn't let her see him, but yeah. And he's still a minor at that oh, point. Yeah. So is there any like rules against if it wasn't her son that she shouldn't have been welcomed? Into oh, that? maybe like, did they have to, did they have to know for sure before they asked her to come and see? Maybe. Yeah. And for three days, you could kind of wonder like, well, maybe there's, there's something else going on that isn't just in all these news articles, but does seem kind of weird that each of them like individually asked if they could identify or like see his body and they were like no not yet but yeah those so many things are like i just don't know enough about like the process of what's going on to determine if that's weird or if it's like totally normal Uh that's why it's all purely speculative here at armchair agents So we're fast forwarding in a couple months to April 9th. His family took to the streets of Valdosa and held a rally at Lowndes County Courthouse where they said, we don't think, we know he was murdered. May 2nd, the first autopsy was finally complete and it officially ruled his death an accident. An hour later, his family, friends, and civil rights activists marched outside the high school demanding justice. Now, let's take a quick break for a very large disclaimer. It is all too common that deaths of marginalized groups, very much including people of color, are not investigated properly. In this particular case, Kendrick and his family are black, and all of the Valdosta cops investigating are white. I just want to acknowledge this fact and state that I very much agree that discrimination leading to lack of proper investigation happens all the time. All right, back to our timeline. May 23rd, the Johnson family attorney states that there are suspicious discrepancies between what the paramedics said and what the report from law enforcement said. Police said he was found upside down in the mat, whereas paramedics stated that his head and arms were exposed from the mat with his torso partially exposed as well. Which makes me a little confused because both of these are true. Now there is a death scene video on YouTube that is 
actually it's <laughs> less i see your face you're making it's very rightfully so it's actually way less gruesome than you would think it seems to be the the tape that the cops made upon first arriving so it like films them walking into the high school walking like going okay. looking around walking up to the gym and then it films the scene of the gym and it shows you like it pans all around and shows you where the mats were you could like see the corner you could see that they're like kind of thrown everywhere and then you there's one mat laying down on its side really not even that far away from the wall He's maybe a foot from the wall. Like, they just tipped uh -huh. it down and were like, whoa, and, like, backed up, which, again, I understand. But you can see Kendrick's head and one arm on the video just, like, kind of just sticking out of the top of the mat. You can't see his face at all, thankfully, because his long dreadlocks and his arm were completely covering his face, which could have been another point of where they're like, oh, we think it's him, because you couldn't really see it until they, they got him uh -huh. fully out. So on June 6th, the Johnson family got permission to exhume Kendrick's body for a second autopsy. Now to review, or in case I didn't say it before, the first autopsy was done by the GBI, and that stated that he had died of positional asphyxiation, and that he had no injuries. The exhumation was done a week later. The family had hired a forensic pathologist named Dr. William Anderson, I'm not sure if he's a doctor, named William Anderson, <laughs> to perform the autopsy. September 3rd, this independent autopsy ruled that Kendrick died from, quote, an unexplained, apparent, non-accidental blunt force trauma to the head. Anderson claimed that there was also a hemorrhaging on his right cheek. Now, it seems to be around this time that the parents released a very gruesome post-mortem photo of Kendrick's face. It's very graphic. It's You can't avoid it when you're looking at information yeah. of this case either. I tried. But, like, you watch the news clips, and it's there. Because they put... Why did I don't know. They put it on posters to march yeah. with. I do come back to this a little later, because I have more to say about this picture. Other than, like, blah, like, which is the noise I made yeah. every time I saw it. So after these findings were released from the second autopsy, the Johnson family really started pushing hard for this to be investigated as a homicide. In October, a $10,000 reward for information leading to an arrest was offered by an anonymous donor. Later that month, a judge ordered the release of the surveillance video and other investigative documents. At first, this confused me because I was like, wait, have they not looked at the surveillance cams for 10 months? Like, what have they been doing? But then I learned that the cops had absolutely looked at all of them. There were like 44 uh -huh. cameras or something around that area. This is just releasing it like to the media and to the parents. After the camera footage is released, U.S. Attorney Michael Moore says that the FBI will help him to discover how Kendrick died. So now the FBI is it's on the case. Yet another week later, an attorney for the family named C.B. King Jr. said that the surveillance video only raised more questions. He's suspicious that the camera is out of focus, and it only shows the top end of one mat in a corner where they were piled up. Now, are surveillance videos notoriously awful? Yes, absolutely. Yes. I'm kind of impressed they didn't record over them the next day, like we so often hear about. I know, and these actually, I looked into the type of recording that they had. Oh. And it's not video recording, it is just photo recording. So mm -hmm. it detects movement and then it takes kind of a slow series of pictures. Not high quality by any means. No. But it's a high school. 
they're probably just doing the best they I can. I mean, they need locker fees, so they probably don't have like a huge surveillance camera budget. <laughs> but you make a really good point about them being motion activated, because it comes up a lot in this case that like time is missing from the surveillance videos or like the times don't match mm -hmm. up. But I think they had tested like, there's a way that you could walk into the gym without triggering the cameras. It's just it's like a yeah. value of dark and light needs to change to a certain degree. Whereas like uh -huh. you are the dark passing over the light or something, you know, with your body causing a shadow. And if you're like in the shadows, it might not trigger that camera to come on. So mm -hmm. there's a lot, there are a lot of gaps and there's like the timestamps are different. So I, from what I read, it sounds like the FBI went through all the footage and then like matched up where people were walking from different angles and use that to be like, oh, this camera 36 or whatever is an hour and 20 minutes off in its timestamp or something. Yeah. So, I mean, I work in IT. We're not perfect. We kind of stop caring <laughs> at some moment. So I can, I can picture the camera guy setting these up that he's like, I don't even care if the times are synced together. Like, whatever. <laughs> you know, like he got 35 of them and was like, I'm out of here, you know? So yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's after five o'clock. Exactly. Yeah, he was, it was the end of his work day. I don't know. Right. That part, that got a lot of traction. It's weird. I don't think we ever have, uh, I've never heard of a case where it's like, man, the surveillance footage was perfect and so clear and it showed us everything we needed <laughs> to know. Like, that's just really not that common. All right. So now we're going to jump ahead just a little bit to a year after Kendrick's death. And I apologize, dear listener, if it sounds like I'm kind of rushing through the timeline. I am. There's a lot more to the story. I want to get the dates and background information out of the way. And truly, this is just how I research them anyway. I, I'm a timeline gal. I want to, like, read all the, you know, the dates and the events from top to bottom. And then I go back. So we're just, we're taking you on a tour of my dark mind. Okay. <laughs> One year after his death, on January 11, 2014, the Johnson family held a memorial at the local park, and the FBI continued to investigate his death. Uh, shortly after that, the reward money was rescinded, as for some reason it was only valid for 90 days after it was announced. Have you ever heard of huh. anything like that before? No, but it sounds like something that would happen. Yeah, I guess it's not <laughs> too outlandish. I just, maybe they never advertised, like, no, it's too late. Or maybe it was just a really big push to, like, get tips once they were convinced that it was a homicide, so. Right. Kind of reminds me of, like, a radio broadcast. Like, a radio program trying to get money. That's true. <laughs> Match your donation. <laughs> Not my favorite way to do things, but it's, like, how the world works. That's true. All right, well, here's another key strange aspect of the story that has really captured attention. Early February... Kendrick's parents sue the funeral home that worked with his body because the second autopsy revealed that his organs were missing and his body was instead filled with newspaper. But you know, I was like, what? I did, and actually, I didn't write any more other than parentheses. I bet this is the part that Ern will look into more. If not, I will explain it myself. Right, so are we doing this right now or are we going to go back later? <laughs> no, I want to hear what you found out. I knew that you would dive into this aspect of it. I saw you after we stopped recording last time when I had announced the case of Kendrick. I listened to you Google it and heard your voice when you saw, <laughs> saw <laughs> newspaper. And I was like, oh, she's totally going to fall down this hole. Yes. So please tell us what you 
what you did and what you found. So what I did, so my husband, the David, he came up a lot during this. Normally I don't talk to him <laughs> at all when I'm researching cases because he's just not interested. He's a nine on the Enneagram. Yeah, I can't imagine. He's peaceful. Like he doesn't like any sort of <laughs> any confrontation. So like murders and deaths don't really prick his fancy. But nah. I had to, I ended up asking him a lot of questions. So he notoriously he becomes friends with the town's funeral director wherever we live so <laughs> of course he does with the like town mortician so he has a couple of friends who are morticians so i just asked mm. him like can i talk to this particular friend and ask him some questions so i did oh man so i oh, asked cool. about the shavings the newspaper shavings and asked if that is done if it has been done if they would ever do it in a case where they weren't being paid because that's what the funeral home kind of said like well we weren't being paid so we just did like what we would have done back in the 70s and this funeral <laughs> director he said it's been done but not in the way that you're talking about hmm. that material was more than likely used in an autopsy case where after doing the area the arterial embalming the internal organs are then replaced into the body cavity and shavings would have been used with plaster, but that would have been way back in the day, like pre-70s, and hmm. as a drying agent to prevent leaking. Today, there are many different compounds that are not expensive, so th that wouldn't really be an, cost wouldn't really be an excuse. Newspaper wouldn't even really be considered, and it would only be used in a case where the organs were being put back in the body. Hmm. So I did find it interesting. Initially, when I researched it just on my own, I feel like it was kind of talked about in a, like, oh, but that's just what, how it's done. Like, don't ask too many questions. This is just how it's done. But then after, like, kind of digging deeper, it was maybe some more. After the, asking questions. After asking some <laughs> questions. It was like, maybe the family had some true concerns. Like, if you're asking around to other funeral homes and they're like, no, what? Right. That is not how it's done. That's not what we do. That would raise some pretty big questions. Mm -hmm. To have no organs and only newspaper? Yeah. Very and strange. And the funeral home, they did sign over, like, they signed documents saying that they received the body and the organs. Hmm. And then the organs are gone. And so I don't think that it's a huge conspiracy other than like very faulty practices going on. Yeah. Like really kind of the same as the guy who didn't do the 36th camera. Right. The funeral director <laughs> who's just like signing, you know, yeah, we got him and isn't actually sure, like, looking to see what he received. Yikes. If you've ever worked at a desk, how many times do you sign things and not actually look in the box to see what you're signing for? You're just signing oh, it. Oh God. So it kind I'm of like, yeah, like, I guess I have organs. Yeah, it kind of seems like that's what happened. Ugh. I don't know. If not a good look. You, yeah, it's not a good look for the funeral home. But then no. also, like, the family was kind of alleging that the funeral home was selling his organs, like that there, that there were some like black market organ dealing going on. But that hmm. also doesn't fit with this case because by the time the funeral home got his body, he those were no longer viable organs so right it seems more that's exactly like, what i was thinking when you said sell them i was like i don't think they'd be any good anymore yeah so it's very confusing and like i would not suggest this funeral home because it seems like some of their practices <laughs> yeah. are pretty faulty 
Yeah, best case scenario, they're doing a real bad job. Yeah. So it's definitely, I mean, it's confusing. It's complicated. I don't know. There's so many parts of the story that make you go, well, that's weird, but okay. Then you put all this weirdness together and like, ugh. Yeah. It's just, it, it's kind of, it's creepy. So this lawsuit is the beginning of what turns out to be a string of lawsuits that's filed by the Johnson family, most of which I'm just going to touch on because there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> In July of 2014, they filed a wrongful death suit against the Lowndes County Board of Education, which also claimed that the school board failed to properly investigate an altercation on a school bus between Kendrick and another student. We're, we're going to come back to this. Shelf that one in your brain, everyone. January 2015, they filed a lawsuit ac accusing classmates of killing Kendrick. The suit specified three people that allegedly attacked him, but named a total of 38 defendants. Wow. Now, I've, I found this lawsuit online. I read all 19 pages. And wow, it, it really goes hard on three people in particular. There are two brothers involved who I'm not really even going to name because yeah. you can easily find it. Give it a gook. They're all over the internet. And like I feel like their names have been maybe brought up enough in relation to this right. case. they've been, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll touch on it. Again, not not going to name them directly because I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing that. But the, uh, the lawsuit also names Sheriff Chris Prine, who I apparently feel fine about naming, and accuses him of not releasing all the footage required by their open records request. So this was like when they released the surveillance footage, they claimed that he did not release all of it to them. Huh. And they also claim that he withheld these records, quote, intentionally, knowingly, with oppression, fraud, and malice. And it also accuses him of, quote, conspiring with and seeking the cooperation of a number of individuals, going on to name an FBI agent who happened to be the father of the accused brothers. It names people from the school system, people from the police department, people from the GBI, and also the funeral home and the per people who performed the autopsy. That's a lot of people involved. Yeah, that would be a pretty extensive cover-up. Yeah. With 38 people involved. Okay, so even though I said I, I'm not going to name the brothers, I do want to give you a little bit of background on how they even got to be a part of the story. From what I could discern, one of the brothers got in a fight with Kendrick on a football bus. Football bus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the football bus one day back in 2011, which was their freshman year. From the brother's side of the story, so take it with a grain of salt, he thought that Kendrick was messing with him on the bus, so he, like, threw a punch at him. These guys were friends, but they're also young high school men, so, like, uh -huh. it doesn't... It's kind of weird that you throw a punch at your friend, but also, like, your brain isn't fully developed and you're just kind of goofing around. You're on your way home from a football game that I think they lost, so... Who knows what's going on in there? So he, like, throws a punch at him, he misses... Kendrick returns a punch and sounds like he actually landed it and <laughs> they got in trouble on the bus. They the boys later apologized and shook hands like their coach made them sh shake hands and like go go on with their their lives and they are actually they went on they went back to being pretty good friends after that. Like they were friends before, just had a minor altercation and and went back to being friends again allegedly. 
Allegedly. Yes, <laughs> I did read that they picked each other for a science project after this. Like, oh. after this altercation. So there was some kind of, like, tangible evidence that their friendship had had some reconciliation in it. Yeah, and I also had read that on the morning of Kendrick's death or disappearance, that the January 10th, he and this brother were actually partners in a project in math class. So, like, oh. they were still talking that morning. Again, this wow. is just from one article, so don't come at me if this is wrong. But that is what I read. And if that's true, that is, like, the creepiest foreshadowing yeah. that has ever been. So, from here, after Kendrick's body was found, like, the rumor mill really took off. Like, you know, high school and then the bus altercation came back up, like, with a vengeance. And word spread that the Johnson family thought this guy was involved and he started being threatened, like not only from the Johnson family, but from former friends of his at the high school, from guys on his football team were like threatening to come after him. I want to say that Kendrick's sister and some of her friends like went to these guys' houses one night oh, yikes. and tried to beat him up. And yeah, it, I, I don't know if this is a small town or not, but regardless, there's the high school rumor mill is Years. Uh -huh. So I read several police reports where they interviewed like different students and like talked about everything that they had read on Facebook or like, well, this guy posted this, but like, oh, this is sleeping with this guy's girlfriend and like yada, yada, yada. So there was just tons of speculation and gossip going on at this time. Also going on at this time, the Kendrick Johnson Memorial Facebook page was openly harassing these two brothers and naming them, going so far as to post an open letter to Florida State University after one of the brothers accepted a position on the football team. I'm going to read you this short letter because screenshots of the Facebook page have been submitted as evidence of harassment, so they're oh, wow. on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it says, Call to action. Tell Florida State University, hell no. Let your voices be heard. Hashtag justice for KJ says to whom it may concern. We oppose the recently, I'm going to read it as is. Okay. We oppose the recently announcement of Loundis County High School football linebacker name committing to attend Florida State University. Name has exhibited violent tendencies and a highly unusual appetite for fighting. Additionally, while fellow students at Loundis High were mourning the loss of fellow student Kendrick Johnson, Name expressed contempt, irritation, and anger. We believe his social media activities expose the likelihood of him being a psychopath and therefore strongly recommend FSU abandon efforts to recruit him to play football for the university. Regards, Concerned Citizen. So they put this on the memorial page and had everyone send it to Florida State University. And, well, he was revoked from uh -huh. that college. <laughs> and there was also one comment on this post that I found very fitting for, like, the whole tone of what they're going for. It says, Yes, get that, murderer, no football for you. You actually just thought you were going to play ball, huh? Devil is a lie. Take your cleats, spelled wrong, back to the store, stole somebody life. Damn thief, I knew God had KJ, justice is on the way, believe that. Not a lot of punctuation there, but mm -hmm. I really think it, it sums it up really nicely. There's comments all over that are like, well, I've the FBI been called, and like, they, they were. They worked on it, <sighs> and just like, even the bio of the memorial page 
here's what it says verbatim. His name is Kendrick K.J. Johnson. He was beaten and lynched at Loundis County High School in Valdosta, Georgia. Valdosta was spelled wrong, so I don't know huh. how they did that. So you can really see like how the family viewed his death. Beaten and lynched. Yeah. Interesting. All right, so that's that's how these brothers got involved. Let's let's get back to the lawsuits here. So, January of 2015, oh, not quite a lawsuit, but still interesting, members of the Johnson family were found guilty of obstruction from a protest that they had in April of 2013 when they were blocking people from entering the Londis County Judicial Complex. They were sentenced to a year in jail, which was suspended if none of them were arrested within the next year. So it was a lot of like, will you just stop? Will you stay out of trouble? Like, <laughs> get out of the way. <laughs> Which I think kind of seems pretty common when people protest is that they end up getting arrested for like kind of stupid stuff, which this could fall under that category. In March of 2016, the $100 million wrongful death lawsuit, that big 38 defendant yeah. lawsuit, was dropped. In June of 2016, the Department of Justice closes Kendrick's case. They were citing insufficient evidence for criminal charges. So I think this is when the FBI stopped investigating it. Yeah. They went through everything. They ruled, we don't have any evidence that a crime occurred here. So they could not prosecute anyone. A couple months later, in August, a judge ruled that the long list of people named in that 2015 lawsuit were entitled to get their attorney fees reimbursed. But in response to this, the Johnson family seems to kind of double down and files yet another lawsuit, this time against 41 individuals, again claiming that Kendrick was murdered and the whole thing was covered up. Wow. Can you imagine 41 people working together to cover something up? No. Yeah. From like four different departments, like they got the funeral director in on it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, isn't that like part of the whole thing if more than one person is involved in a crime, like one of them is going to tell? Yeah. I feel like there's some like pack mentality. Like you could, you could argue that that isn't always the case. Like there is a pack mentality, but not with that many people and like different phases of life where they're not really that connected. The the high schoolers and the funeral home director and the like three different agencies of cops yeah all different yeah phases of life not really knowing each other outside of this incident right it seems so uh, like unusual or unlikely to us but there's also like a family in mourning who feels like they're being discriminated against for their skin color like everyone yeah yeah absolutely and like everyone that they're trying to get answers from is white and probably being kind of a dick to them because they want them to stop. <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason, they think they, they had figured it out. So, ba, 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 ba. nearly a year after that next lawsuit was filed, it was dismissed after they did not meet some deadlines. So, like, they were required to serve these parties within 90 days. And I don't think they got to everyone. It was quite a lengthy list, that after is a all. a lengthy list. Some people yeah. are, like, evading it. Right? The one guy got it 92 days later. Yes. (laughs) Got him. All right. So after that lawsuit was dropped, guess what they did? They filed another lawsuit against the same group of people. So this is the third one, I think. A year after this lawsuit was, their last lawsuit was dropped, 
uh, Kendrick's parents and their lawyer were ordered to pay nearly $300,000 in attorney fees to all of those that they accused of killing their son and the parties that they alleged were covering it up. They didn't stop here. January 2018, they started the process to have Kendrick's body exhumed for the second time. Could you let that boy rest? <laughs> I just like, why did, oh, it's like, oh, so much of this breaks my heart. Like, I, I, I try to understand where they're coming from. This is the worst thing they could ever experience. But they just, they keep exhuming him to do autopsies. And every time they do that, they seem to be more mad that he looks awful. Of course he looks awful. Yeah. He's been dead for five years. Yeah, and he's been a third autopsy. Yes. going to be like, on the body. The body can only handle so much. All right. Finally, in November of that year, 2018, the results of the third autopsy are released, and it again states that his cause of death was a non-accidental blood force trauma to the head and neck, which could, I don't know. I mean, I think it, from the pictures that we've unfortunately seen, it does look like he was beaten to death. So I can see how as time goes on, it would only make that case more and more plausible. Yeah. It's weird because the cause of death being blunt force trauma to a very specific area on his neck, it's like a three centimeter mark that oh. they're referring to. Really? And what I kind of looked into was that this specific medical examiner had a theory that he had blunt force trauma to a specific vein in his neck. And hmm. that was why such a small area could cause death. But that hmm. it isn't really, that isn't really considered in any other medical papers or any studies to actually be plausible. Like that's yeah. just his, it kind of seems like that's just his random finding that isn't really based on science it's just based on him seeing that and saying this could have happened mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of i mean it is what it is yeah he's obviously being paid by the family i was just gonna say that we saw that in the missing persons case of Bryceless pisa where his family had hired that private detective uh -huh. and she kind of gave him a lot of what they wanted to hear and what i wonder yeah. yeah, I wonder how much that's happening here. Like, they hired this guy, like, with the intention to find out that he was murdered. Would he not mm -hmm. have gotten paid if he did not find something? Or even just, yeah, even just trying to appease them or trying to agree. So my thought is there are horrific racial issues in Georgia. Oh, yeah. And so... Uh, like we can't deny that we can't get around mm -mm. that and so the fact that he was black and that there are white people involved just makes it such a, a hard situation because it's easy to think something must have been amiss like there must be something darker going on here because oh, yeah. of the environment that he was in like when this happened it was 50 years that Georgia had been in integrated schools where they weren't what so integration That's like half a lifetime yes yeah, so integration wow. happened in 1961 oh my gosh and at the time of his death georgia was like so in 2014 georgia made national news saying georgia school hosts first racially integrated prom first first 
Prior to this, school held white prom and black prom. Are you kidding me? When this happened, parents decided to still hold a private white prom. Jesus. Come on, Georgia. That's gross. This is why there's so much fire in these people's belly. Mm -hmm. Is because there are issues. Huge (laughs) issues. Holy cow. So I can see wanting to maybe like... I don't know. Look for something in his case to yeah. make a statement because you know that there's something that needs to be said. And that statement is true. And it's uh-huh. way more logical that he would be the target of a racially motivated attack than he yeah. would accidentally fall into a mat and die. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Wow. So hypothetically, if Kendrick were alive, his prom probably would have been segregated. I don't, I never saw that. That was specific schools in Georgia, not every school in Georgia. Still, Georgia, disappointed. But yeah, as of November 5th, 2020, Public School Review, they had an article, Segregated Proms, an Ongoing Controversy in Georgia. So that's November 5th of 2020. It's just a couple months ago. Just a couple months ago. Wow, that is, I'm even more grossed out than I was before. Uh, yeah, like you had said, no wonder they're going down this alley. It truly makes sense. It makes yeah. more sense than, than what maybe occurred. Oh, wow. All right. So with the results of this third autopsy, the family and the lawyer pushed to reopen the case and get all the new evidence on trial. And their request to reopen was officially filed in October of 2019 on what would have been Kendrick's 24th birthday. Now, somehow we're going to jump to June of 2020 already. This is seven and a half years after Kendrick's death. The hashtag J4Kendrick takes off along with a petition on change.org. So I looked on their site. There's several petitions related to Kendrick, but it looks like the one that celebrities were sharing that got really popular has 1.7 million signatures and people were still signing it like while I was viewing it. So it's still clearly very active. The petition has a huge wall of text that lists the two brothers that the family is accusing of murdering Kendrick. And I kind of just wonder how that's legal. Yeah. I, I don't know. In July of last year, so we're still in last summer, the school district filed a motion to dismiss, and that was granted. And that actually dismissed the case against all those defendants. So this was their third case against those like 30 to 40 individuals. So in seven years... The Johnson family made zero headway in any of their lengthy lawsuits. In fact, they were ordered to pay back all of the attorney fees for everyone that they named. I'm like kind of impressed that they kept at it for so long. They did. Yeah. I'm surprised that they kept naming the boys because Ebony Magazine, back in 2014, Ebony Magazine named the brothers in a series of articles about the suspicious death. And they were sued for $5 million. Mm-hmm. I never... Did you find the results of that? I never saw if the brothers got... No, I never did. I actually didn't even look for that article. Yeah. No, I don't know if they ever got it. I All that I'm wondering is, like, were they still minors at that time? Like, they're being named as murderers? I guess, in 2014. Wow, wow. wow. Now I want to tell you, Ern, about what I'm mad about. <laughs> I, I have a whole section in my notes what I'm mad about. And it's it's really just one thing. But there's one thing in this case that I have kind of touched on that makes me angry. Like the whole case makes me sad. But this part makes me angry. It makes me very mad that they 
released two post-mortem photos of Kendrick. I can't get past that. And, like, not only did they release them, but they put the first one on huge signs and marched around with them, as I had mentioned. Like, every news story you see, you see Kendrick's very adorable 17-year-old face. Like, he looks like... He's one of those people that you can tell exactly what they looked like as a kid. Because uh-huh. now he had, like, he had kid face with, like, kind of adult body. He was just in that, like, middle ground, you know, like, late adolescence. Yeah. And you could see exactly what he looked like as a young boy. Great pictures of him always. And then a photo of his bruised and, like, inflated and just, he, oh, it looks awful they later released another photo which i thankfully avoided seeing but i read about it several times they had released a photo of his face after an autopsy in which gross spoiler alert in which the flesh had been peeled back from his face and then reapplied yeah is that how you want your son to be remembered Ugh. i know i see why they did it it did it for the shock value and they did it to show hey, it really looks like he'd been beaten to death. Yeah. Uh, it really does. You would assume, looking at that, that there's no other way a person's face could look that way unless they had been severely assaulted. So, like, I see why they would do that, but you you could also look that way if you died while you were upside down and stayed that way for a whole day. Yeah, or if you've been dead for over a year. Five years! Yeah, that too! Like, oh god, he looks awful. And I just, I'm trying to stress it for you, listener, so you don't look. Please don't look. We said this in the JonBenet case. It's all out there. Don't look at it. Erin, when I die, good pictures only. Good pictures only. Only good pictures. Yeah, thank you. No (laughs) blinking photos. No dead photos. Why would... Is there anything that really stands out to you in this case that... What's on your mad list? Um... My, and like, I don't want to blame the parents for this at all. It's just like how society has changed and become so lawsuit driven. Mm, Yeah. I just, with all these lawsuits coming up, I kept thinking, I kept thinking about a summer camp that I worked at and back in 1990, there was a freak accident. There was a tornado and as the counselors were rushing the kids to the shelter, a tree was struck by lightning and landed on some kids and one of them <gasps> passed away. Oh no. And what is super kind of makes you pause is that the family knew how much that child loved the camp. And so they donated a big, beautiful wooden place that just in memory. Mm-hmm. And I just have, o- not this case specifically, but I've always thought about that since then of like, that's no longer how parents respond to tragedy. Right. There is, it seems, there's always a, like, what can I get from this? And and that's sad because I'm guessing that that family that donated a playset in the place where they knew that their child loved being and had many years of happiness, I'm sure that that brought, <clears throat> I'm sure that that brought them a lot more closure than $200,000 or, do you know what I'm saying? Right, Yeah. That's a that's true. It's not a common response to like respond in kind. Be like, "Oh, I understand an accident happened." But I I don't know. I'm torn cuz I totally understand where the co- family's coming from, I why do they're too. mad. Yeah. Clearly it's there's just, tons of racial undertones. There yeah, their situation is really it is really unique just their their location and the history and kind of what you said 
for them in their reality right now, it is more plausible that he was lynched than that there was an actual totally. death, mm-hmm. which says a lot. I just wish that the gut reaction wouldn't be to sue because it's not just them. Like there's other, there was an accidental death in our town a couple years ago oh. and the family similarly like tried to sue everyone and his brother. Like they tried, it was a four wheeling accident where a four wheeler went out into the road and was hit. And so oh, no. they were suing the driver and the property owner. Oh, and the people who are, contracted to cut the grass on the property what and because they said you know if the grass had been cut more maybe the driver would have been able to see the four-wheeler better the county for laying gravel down stuff that you're like well like they had to lay gravel down i don't know like hmm. it just seemed like they were grasping for straws and kind that of, and it just kind of reminded me of that just oh yeah to, like, i can totally see why get money the gravel is not at fault yeah, but it also, with this family, it also seems like maybe that's not what's going on because they're so clearly not making traction <laughs> in that. Yeah. Like they're actually having to pay money for legal fees. And I'm guessing that they probably would have been given this legal advice that if they would have sued just the school, they might have actually had a pretty big lawsuit that they were able to file because mm-hmm. he went missing in the school. He didn't make it to his and next No one class. noticed for a whole day. His mother called and said he's missing. They had cameras, but the cameras weren't able to see the whole gym. Like there's there's holes Mm -hmm. in the school where I think that in our current society, you could make a legal case and that's not what the family chose to do. So maybe it was more of just the statement that they were trying to make. Definitely could be. So is it possible that this case is not getting the serious look it deserves due to racial motivations? Absolutely. It's totally possible. Sadly, the justice system has proven time and time again that it's super racist, so it wouldn't really be a huge shock. I can't imagine how many families of color there are out there whose cases are simply being ignored because the police force in their area is white and operating under the, again, incredibly racist mindset that these families are just not worth their investigative time. I cannot stress enough how absolutely disgusting this racial discrimination is. It happens every day and everywhere, including in my city here in Wisconsin, which is consistently named the most segregated city in America. Mm -hmm. There are tons of problems. You're totally right that Georgia is awful. You can see tons of other cities that are experiencing like the same issue. All that being said, do I think that's what happened in this case? Mm, honestly, no. And truly, I feel kind of bad that this is the first case of a person of color that I selected, and it goes so against the grain in a very big way. I hope that I stress enough that people of color are discriminated against in the justice system all the time. I just like it's all it's weird that this might not be true in yeah. this case. So, do I blame Kendrick's parents for any of their actions after his death? Absolutely not. Goodness, no. In fact, I think it would be way harder to cope with the accidental death of your child when it's just like a terrible, tragic occurrence that nobody is at fault for. Of course, I think they would seek someone to blame. Of course, it's all too easy and maybe even comforting to fall into a bit of a conspiracy mindset and seek justice against those you believe killed your child. I mean, it gave him a sense of purpose every day. It gave him something to do, like a reason to get up and get out of bed and keep going. 
but it also kind of ruined the lives of at least two other teenagers. And that is on the family. Like, I've never come across a story that included just so much straight slander against individuals and minors that were never named as people of interest, yeah. yet the family's putting their names all over. People are harassing them. They're taking away their, like, college yeah. opportunities. Overall, I think that the possibility or perhaps the reality that Kendrick's death was simply accidental is what makes this case far more terrifying and memorable than if he was murdered. This like well-liked and clearly very loved teen did nothing wrong. He walked into the gym one day to get his shoes from a wrestling mat, as he always did, as many other kids in the school did too. But because it was just winter break and all the mats had been moved, he had to reach into that mat to get his shoes and he fucking died doing it. That's awful. It's beyond tragic. Like it, uh, it's to like contemplate the sheer terror he must have felt yeah. like when he knew he couldn't get out. Oh, I just like you said, maybe he was embarrassed. And now I'm just going to cling to that and like really hope that that was it. Or I hope that he like lost consciousness before he really knew what was going right. on. Because it really, really, oh, it just it makes a, like a lump in my chest that now I'm like, oh, oh, it's just, it's so, it was so sad. So I did find one other case that was similar and it might be, it's equally terrible. I'm not going to say it's more terrible. This, this is not a place for a comparison. Um, Kyle Plush, a 16 year old, died of asphyxiation after he climbed into his parents' minivan reached over the third row seat to get something. He was getting like a sports bag or something out of the back. And the third row seat collapsed onto him and crushed Aww. him. How old was he? This wow. 16. It gets even worse, Ern. He called 911 several times using Siri Aww. to activate his phone because he wasn't by it. He kept saying, hey, Siri, call 911. And the 911 dispatchers could barely hear him, but they could hear, like, a scared Aww. child who was dying. He called 911, like, three times. And I just, like, I was reading this story. I started my research at my mother's last chemo yeah. treatment, and I started reading this story, and then I started crying and had to, like, close the laptop. Like, no, I'm not going to be the one crying at <laughs> chemo. It's, like, it's just, like, to picture this kid being so terrified that's what gets me about that and what gets me about kendrick is like i can't not think about what their last moments would have yeah. been like and that's and they're so yeah. young they're just they're babies they're minors you know like you think teenagers think they're like grown up they and do. old and now we're grown up and old and we know yeah. that they're not and just awful awful all around what's not awful are some of my resources I alluded this to you yeah. about this before we started talking, but I wanted to tell you about it here. Um, so I found, I mentioned I found all these court documents, all the lawsuits, all the autopsy reports, etc. Yeah. I found this website called Scribed. It is S-C-R-I-B-D. Scribed, get at us, sponsor us. <laughs> I didn't know this was a thing. Um, it has like books. It has transcripts of books, of podcasts, of documents, of everything and so i well we immediately 
got a membership because I bought one for the nice. uh, the podcast <laughs> Gmail. So, <laughs> so you can use it too. What is our podcast Gmail? Armchair agents at gmail.com. All right. Email us guys. I don't know what you would email us, but all right, I also used um, WALB, which is a local Georgia newspaper. Uh, that was the same one I quoted up top. And of course, Wikipedia. I read a ton of other articles too. They are just, you know how articles are. They're kind of like the same regurgitated sure information. Are. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, yes, I also did Wikipedia. I listened to a couple podcasts. I went online and my normal YouTube people that I listened to, they didn't have a lot of information. I think maybe Danielle Hallen had one, um, something on him, and that was where I got my information. Mm-hmm. And then also Georgia Newspapers. And I'm trying to think of what podcasts, something T, Fatalities. Oh. Um, is a newer podcast that I started listening to. Nice. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today to go through the just horribly tragic story of Kendrick Mm -hmm. Johnson. I'm really glad that we got to share his story and like discuss all the really interesting aspects of it, even if they're like disgustingly racially motivated. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting case and brings up a lot of like things need to change, even if it didn't have to do with this case, like it still brings up things need to change. Absolutely. So Ern, what have you picked out for us Um, next month? I had a lot of anxiety and just in the last couple minutes as you were talking, I was still like trying to change my mind. Like I always do the same thing. Okay, it's not just me. (laughs) Um, So I think it will be Caitlin Atkins. I like, I haven't really dived too deep, but I know that there's dump to luggage. I know that there's CCTV footage and that there's a missed flight i think like that's all that i know (laughs) all right is there anything creepier than cctv footage i mean really um, especially like in kendrick's case where it's just pictures same with um what's the the girl out in i feel like california are you talking eliza lamb yeah, I still. <laughs> I know. Like that's the first speed of creepy CCTV. That's the first CCTV oh. footage that I saw. In, oh my god! I've always like looked at true crime stuff and researched true crime stuff, but that was the first one that I looked up CCTV footage on my own and was able to watch it like unedited and was just. I still mm-hmm. I'm like I should never do that again. Never again. Why? <laughs> I yet I. I say that and I keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks All right, for guys. joining us. We hope to catch you again soon.